Welcome to the York Story Slam podcast, where we feature select stories from our monthly open mic storytelling events in York, Pennsylvania. On May 18th, eight storytellers shared their stories with our audience for our virtual slam. The theme for our May Story Slam was Don't Tell Mom. We heard stories about getting away with it, not getting away with it, and coming clean decades after the fact. Our winner for this month's Story Slam was Mina Edmondson, who told a powerful story about when you should tell mom. Here's Mina. Don't tell mom. Thinking about this, there I came across a couple of stories I could have told. Um, my brothers and I often got into situations that were less than ideal. Some of them this funny, others were mischievous. And there were a couple of occasions that pretty close to being unlawful. But I, I more I thought about it, my brothers and I didn't have to ever say to each other, don't tell mom. That was a given. We had a pact between us that we never told. No matter what, no matter what kind of trouble we were getting in, we kept it to ourselves. But there was another phrase that's very close to don't tell mom that I remembered hearing a lot in my life. I heard it from mostly men, mostly men that were men I should have been able to trust, family members, my stepfather, friends of my mother. And that created a secret in my life, a secret that I couldn't tell. And I began to realize that my family had a lot of secrets those generational secrets, secrets that go back a long time and that nobody talks about unless it's in whispers when they don't think the children are around. Well, as a child, you know that if you're really quiet and you're really still, adults seem to forget you're in the area and they talk without you know, them knowing you're there. And I heard the story about how my grandfather got fired from a job when he worked in an elementary school and the family had to move soon afterwards. And I heard the story about what my grandfather had done to my grandmother just a week before she passed. And I heard one of my aunts say, well, he was just an old goat and they all started laughing. But by that point in time, I wasn't laughing. There were tears rolling down my face because I knew that I was one of those keeper of secrets that I didn't tell and I never told anyone. I remember my grandfather whispering my ear as he pulled me up on his lap on a Sunday afternoon when we visited, don't tell your mother. And I knew what was gonna happen. He would put my hand down his pants and let me play with his toy. Or he would take me to the basement and uh, we were getting peaches or applesauce that my grandmother had canned for dinner. And he would whisper in my ear, don't tell your mother. And I didn't. And it happened that those stories, those secrets that we were telling or not telling influence your life and influences your family. And they are generational. They go on and on and on unless something stops. Well. I didn't tell my story until one day after my grandfather died and all of the family was in the church and the preacher was up front talking 
about how wonderful my grandpa was, how he was such a good Christian man. And at over a hundred years of age, he'd given his life for his community and the fantastic things he had done and the legacy that he was leaving to the community with his over a hundred um, children, grandchildren and great grandchildren. And I was sitting there and I knew the true legacy he was leaving in our community. And I sat as, and I sat and I couldn't sit anymore. I couldn't take it. And for the first time in my life, I stood up and I literally stood up and I shouted in that church, this is bullshit. Everything that's being said here is bullshit and you all know it. And as I slipped out of the pew, you could have heard a pin drop. And as I'm going back to the aisle on my way out of church, I began to hear noises. I heard a couple of amens. And I heard a couple of people clap. And as I got out the door and down the steps, I realized I wasn't the only one that had walked out of the church that day. There stood my brother with his arms around me and an aunt and a cousin, and they supported me and they supported what I had to do that day. What disappointed me most, my mother didn't come out. My mother did not join me. And on the way home, my mother chastised me. You embarrassed me in there. You had no right to say that. That wasn't the time nor the place. You need to learn to show some respect. You know what? I did show respect that day, self-respect, for maybe the first time in my life. And I want everyone to know that if someone ever tells you, tell your children, tell your grandchildren, if anyone ever says, don't tell your mother, that means to run immediately to your mother and tell her, or your father, or your neighbor that you trust, or your teacher, and tell them. And if they don't listen, stand up and shout from the rooftop. This is bullshit, and I'm not going to let it happen to me anymore. Mina earned a spot in our Grand Slam in November. Next up, we have Dominic Sciartino, who told the story of how he cracked the plastic bubble window on the roof of his dad's van, and how he finally came clean about it. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Uh, I'm going to take a little artistic license. If, uh, if my parents were good cop, bad cop, my mom was the good cop, I don't have a lot of don't tell mom stories. I do have a fantastic don't tell dad story. And uh, my sister is in the audience to back me up on this because she was my accomplice. But my dad was this big, unforgiving Catholic Italian. And he had a temper. He was very lovable, but he had a temper. And I was a gangly, clumsy teen. And I broke a lot of things. And the name of the story is Sorry to Break Your Bubble. But uh, I would just, uh, one time I was doing Pete Townsend windmill guitar moves in my bed jumping up and down and I broke the lamp on top of my bed and I can still hear his voice. He said the same thing every time. Damn it, Dominic. One time I elbowed the screen door when I was having a temper tantrum as like a five-year-old. Damn it, Dominic. But anyways, you get the point. So he had this monster 1972 Chevy van. He loved this van. He kept it for over 25 years. It was like a utility van with like the metal floor, but he put carpet in it. 
<laughs> and he put wall-to-wall -wall paneling in this van. He loved this thing. He had it converted from stick to automatic when he found out my mother was not a good stick driver. Anyways, this thing was like a foreign uh, automobile to me until one weekend he went to the beach with my mother and took the other car, the little K car for some reason. He said, hey, if you and your sister need a car, there's the van. So we're like, what are we going to do with this van? It was 1985. We were like 16, 17 years old. There was not much to do in York. And we're like, you know what? Let's go see Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And if you've never seen Pee-wee's Big Adventure, watch it after the show, it'll, uh, after the story, story slam. It'll, the story will make much more sense to you. So we went, we thought it was a hysterical movie. And then it was over and we're like, what do we do now? Again, 16, 17, New York, nothing to do. There was no under 21 nightclubs. So we cruised around in this 1972 wood paneled Chevy band looking for trouble. Now, this is the part where I'm gonna lose some sympathy from you guys, but I was an obnoxious garbage teenage boy. So we went to the place where kids parked and did things and we turned off our lights and we trolled right up to them. And then when we got to the cars where these kids were doing whatever we turn on the high beams and honk the horn really loud and watch them in their various states of indiscretion pull it together and to add insult to injury as if that wasn't enough i climbed out of the van walked upon the roof and did the tequila peewee herman dance ba -da, ba -da 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 -da. i owned you guys and I, we're just laughing until crack this van had one of those like plastic bubbles that you vent like are in campers. My dad had that installed because we would camp in the van sometimes. And I stepped on it and cracked it. I'm like, oh my God, I broke the bubble. Damn it, Dominic. I could hear his voice. This was 1985. There were no 24 hour Walmart. So I had to find crazy glue at a Sunoco. I, plated, I paid an obscene price for it. And I glued this bubble back together. And we drove home and I'm like, I'm gonna get away with this. I was still nervous. He got home the next day never said anything weeks passed i'm like i'm off the hook and then it rained and i went outside the next day and i see him with a new bubble in a box i don't know where you buy them <laughs> and he was replacing the one and i'm like oh my god i have to tell him so i went up and i'm like what happened and he's like i must have hit a tree limb or something my bubble is cracked and is leaking i'm like i'm safe that's it not the end of the story because every family gathering when my father was in a good mood happy christmas thanksgiving whatever my sister would be like you need to tell him i'm like no 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 i'm not telling him christmas you need to tell him thanksgiving you need to tell him summer vacation you need to tell him i never told him until 35 years later he was in health south he was only going to be around another more month we didn't know this he had lots of visitors in and out but there came a point in the evening where it was just my sister and i this was in 2012 and she turned to me and she said you gotta tell <laughs> so i looked at him i said pop <laughs> and he looked at me and i said Phew. in 1985 i did the peewee herman dance on top of the van and cracked the bubble it wasn't a tree limit it was me and I fully expected him to wake out of his half slumber and be like, damn it, Dominic. But he didn't. He just went. And like a good Italian Catholic son, I absolved myself in some weird 
reverse deathbed confessional. So, uh, Pop, I'm sorry I broke your bubble, but my bubble was burst when you left us. Thank you, everybody. Our final story on this month's podcast comes from Steph Holmes. Steph painted a picture of how her mom always seemed to have eyes in the back of her head, never missing anything. Here's Steph. So, trigger warning for anyone who owns fabric shears. Sorry. You know what mom's fabric shears were good for? Cutting anything and everything. They were so sharp. She had written fabric only in all capital letters on the handle, but you know what I used them for? Cutting a branch from the backyard, cutting up a piece of cardboard, cutting paper, lots of paper. I even cut a tongue into the mouth of my favorite stuffed animal, but at least that was fabric. Worst of all, in this cutting rampage I was going on, I walked up to the back of the couch where one of my mom's handmade crocheted blankets was, a blanket that probably took her months to make. I pulled a string out from the middle of the blanket, I cut it, and then I tucked the loose ends deep into the weave of the blanket. I then returned the precious fabric shears back to their drawer so my mom would never know all that I had done with them. I was such a smart little girl. Less than an hour later, she comes in fuming, furious, steam coming out of her ears, and an exact list of everything I had cut all throughout the house. And sure, I got a significant whooping then. She may have even pulled the wooden spoon out for this one. But what terrified me most about my mom wasn't the wooden spoon. It was the fact that she seemed to possess some sort of magical ability to know what I was doing when I was up to no good. There's just no way she could have found all of those cuts on her own. I had been so careful to cover my tracks. I was such a smart little girl, but my mom was the all-out psychic. Back in those days, we lived in a quiet neighborhood on the outskirts of Houston. My dad did work a lot, so a lot of my memories from that time revolved around our house there, fighting with my little brother and sister, and fighting with my mom. And my mother is a tiny Asian woman, four foot something, but despite her small size, she'll really surprise you with her alpha presence, which just fills any room that she walks into, her loud and deep voice, and her really quick temper, which doesn't hesitate to publicly shame the stranger trying to cut the line during holiday shopping season. You've been warned. She also raised us on a tight budget. I was always aware of that, but she made it work, so we always had the necessities. Each of us had one pair of sandals and one pair of shoes, both a size or two too big so we'd grow into them. She packed our lunches for school in the morning, and when we were really little, she even made some of our clothing by hand. This is a woman that never wasted a dime. And yet, as I'm just culling through some of my memories to uh, put this story together, I realized I have memories of going to preschool. I learned to read there with hooks on phonics because it was the 90s. I remember playing on the playground there and meeting my first boyfriend, Dominic. But what's odd about this memory is my mom wasn't dropping me off at preschool to go to work. She was a stay-at-home mom back in those days. And even odder, my brother and sister didn't go with me. So they must have been
how telling and how funny to realize that my extremely frugal mother paid good money to put me in preschool just to get a break from me. And I don't blame her because there I am again, standing on tippy toes, hardly breathing, eyes fixed on the back of her head while she watched TV in the other room. I was maybe 15 feet behind her in the kitchen, reaching up on a counter for God knows what, whatever it was, I wasn't supposed to have it. But before my fingertips could reach the edge of whatever I was trying to get, and without turning her head to look at me and witness this, my mom says in a deep and slow and dangerous tone, Stephanie, stop now. All knowing, utterly terrifying. And thankfully, I did grow up to be a pretty decent adult. <laughs> And we are, we're pretty good friends, my mom and I. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was talking to her about this story, about her magical powers and her, the eyes that seemed to be in the back of her head. And she proceeded to reveal to me that she had reflective surfaces planted in each of the rooms, that she could watch me and observe what I was doing without me knowing. This revelation made me laugh so hard that I cried. <laughs> and it's true, as a little girl, I was both afraid of and completely in awe of my mother's seemingly magical powers. But now as an adult, knowing the craft behind her magic, I gotta say, I admire her even more. Thank you for listening to my story. All the winners from this year's Open Mic Story Slam events will return to compete for the title of Best Storyteller in York. Updates on our events are available on our website, yorkstoryslam.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter. Please also follow us on Twitter and Facebook and watch videos of all the stories from our events on our YouTube channel. A big thank you to our 2021 sponsor, KBG Injury Law, whose generous support is making this season possible. We hope to see you virtually or on stage soon. Thanks for listening. This Story Slam podcast is produced by Carla Wilson of Wilson Media Services. Theme music composed and performed by David Wilson. You can learn more at wilsonmediaservices.com.